My name is Amin Amrani, and I'm the moderator for this panel discussion on consumer and provider impressions regarding the OTC regulations that went into effect just over six months ago. With me today are three guests, Sherry Eberts, Gail Hannon, and Blake Caldwell, who will share their perspectives. Before we dive into this discussion, I'll ask each of you to share a little bit about yourselves. So Sherry, would you mind starting, please? Sure, and thank you for having me on the panel. So I'm Sherry Eberts. I am a hearing health advocate and the founder of livingwithhearingloss.com, which is an online community for people living with hearing loss. And I'm the executive producer of We Hear You, which is, I think, the only documentary about the lived hearing loss experience. And then the co-author with my fellow panelist, Gail Hannon, of Here and Beyond Live Skillfully with Hearing Loss, which is an operating manual for uh, clients and consumers and clinicians about how to live skillfully with hearing loss. Yeah, and I'll just put a plug in. That book has been a really, really good resource. So if you don't have it, go get it. Thank you. Um, Gail, would you mind introducing yourself, please? Well, I'm Gail Hannon, and uh, to sort of did over what Sherry said about the book, I am a Canadian hearing health advocate, uh, performer, presenter, and writer, and who, my goal for the 30 years of my advocacy is to better explain what it's like to live with hearing loss. So everything I do uh, is geared to that. Wonderful. Thank you. And Blake, you're from Soundly. Why don't you share with folks a little bit about yourself and Soundly, please? Yeah, thank you for, for having me on the panel, and it's great to be here with you all. Um, so I'm the founder, co-founder at Soundly, and um, I am a hearing aid wearer, something that runs in my family. Uh, wear hearing aids myself. My mom wears hearing aids. My brother wears hearing aids. And the reason I created Soundly is because I wanted to make the starting point, the hearing health um, category easier for consumers. So if someone's just getting started, maybe in that first five to 10 hours of their journey, um, that's really what Soundly's targeted at. So we have uh, content, tools, um, and, and lots of different kind of experiences to help folks get going, figure out what they might need, what options they have, and then you know they can go from there. And often that will mean talking to a uh, uh, clinician or a practitioner of some kind. Yeah, yeah, and we'll dive into your uh, some of the findings and some of the um, the impressions that you have of this technology, and that'll really be interesting. Um, so let's start out. You know, the OTC regulations have been out six, seven months now, and from a consumer's standpoint, since all of you are on the advocacy side here. What are our initial thoughts on the consumer size as it relates to, let's start out with accessibility. Have we improved the goal of making this technology and the services more accessible to individuals with hearing loss? I'm going to speak as a person who's looking on from afar um, because we do not have it in Canada. And I'm, I have two thoughts. I'm very pumped that this uh, perhaps could be a more affordable option as so many people are turned off by the high ticket price or what they perceive as the high ticket price and the value to them. Well, it, why, why is it going to make my life that much better? Um, so ticket prices um, could be lower. And I think that's wonderful. 
as a hearing health advocate, I worry that are they getting, especially for newcomers, are they getting the help that they need to properly assess their hearing loss? Are they getting the big picture, which with with Blake and Soundly, it's, it helps people get the big picture they need to live well with hearing loss. So in summary, I feel like I'm just kind of waiting to see, uh, it's only six months out, what it, the evaluation, is it good? Is it, uh, is it not? What needs to be fixed? I would agree with that. I think the um, my initial perceptions are so some things that I love from an accessibility standpoint are you have uh, large household brands who are now joining into the conversation, which I think immediately changes the level that people feel they can jump in and access. When you see a brand like Sony, which you know is is iconic, I think it's the third largest headphone maker in the world, putting their brand name on a product, then suddenly as a consumer who maybe knows very little about hearing health. I feel like I know something about Sony. I could maybe jump in on a product like that and give it a try. Um, it feels a little bit less uh, opaque in that way. So I, I love that. I also love that retail has entered the um, category. I don't think it's. I don't think retail has fully um, uh, figured out how to sort the quality products from the the lower quality products, and I think that's a big challenge. But if you are someone with hearing loss who's maybe been putting it off for years, you're walking by hearing health products at Best Buy or in other locations, I think that's a really good thing. And, and hopefully in time, the kind of quality will rise, the quality products will rise to the top. Yeah, and I would just add, when I think about accessibility, I think a lot about competition. And to me, this is adding new competition, new brains, new creativity, new technologies to helping people with hearing loss. And so for me, I don't think we're there yet, You know, six months in. But as I look down the road, I think increased competition for people's hearing health is a positive for consumers. It's going to create more access in terms of a wider array of products, a wider array of places you can find these products. And I really hope it's going to stimulate sort of more of a communication specialist approach from the hearing care community, because it's not going to be about the device. The device is going to be available in more places. So really where they can add value is on that communication specialist side. What do we do with the devices? And what do we do in addition to the devices to help communication? So I'm pretty excited about it, but it's definitely early days. Yeah, and, and I think all of the things that you have talked about were kind of in the executive order that President Biden had huh. with in terms of, you know, competition and accessibility and affordability and so forth and so on. But I think there's a couple of things here that we really haven't touched on yet since we just started this, this conversation. And, th and that's two things. And number one is uptake. The uptake has not yet met the standards of what the industry was predicting. So the question becomes, why is that? I think that's the first piece. And then I think the second piece of that is, is what about the literacy that goes with the uptake? Because I think that's one area that hearing healthcare um, it needs a little bit of polishing in order to uh, ensure that consumers really understand what they're getting themselves into. And I think we talked a little bit about that. So uh, take those by the horns and let's see where we go with that. Yeah, I think I've, I've certainly heard and, and you know, I, 
I don't know if I had a specific prediction of how much uptake would would occur. I think this is going to be always going to be new and uncharted territory for the industry. But I've certainly heard the conversation that this was lower. The um, the adoption rates were lower than what people were expecting. And I think if you look at other industries where things have evolved and changed over time, um, perhaps uh, there was a bit more expectation than there should have been in terms of the speed of, of adoption. Um, you know, I think this takes time. There's a lot of interest, uh, but truly, I you know I wear a prescription product. I have not switched to OTC. Uh, my mom wears a prescription product, has not switched. My brother has not switched. Um, these are all, you know, these are real life use cases. And I think that's true of so many people who are already in hearing aids. And then you think about new folks entering the market. We know the decision timeframe for this is extremely long. And so maybe you're sparked to start thinking about it in October of last year. Um, do you then ultimately decide to make a decision a year from now? Uh, you know, I think data would predict, yes, that's probably about right. Or maybe a few years from now. And, and hopefully we can shorten that time window with prices and other things. But you know, I, th I think to expect us to be an overnight shift in the market, is, it was probably never really going to be that. Um, and so, you know, I'm not sure that that's an, uh, an easy way to decide whether this was successful or not. You know, we, I question, how is this being advertised? Um, does the average consumer who's starting to think, uh, mm, mm, something's going on here. Do they know what OTC means? How is it being advertised? And we know that these issues product only become of interest to people when it's starting to happen to them. You know, you can see ads for things. And unless you have that problem, unless you have hearing loss, um, you're, you're not going to even almost notice that ad. So how is it being advertised? How is it being presented to uh, Americans that here's here's an option that they might want to consider that's different from those $29.99 things that can help you hear a pin drop across the, you know, the room? So that's my question as an outsider. And I would say I'm not sure that the products that are out there yet are the right products. You know, I think we're really just getting started with this. I think if you look at what's available, a lot of them, the price points are too high, right? So, I mean, the differential between a prescription product and an OTC product isn't wide enough um, in terms of, uh, of what people are looking for. And I also think that some of the lower cost products haven't had Bluetooth connectivity or, or things like that. And so, to me, we haven't really hit that sweet spot of what an OTC device looks like. So I feel like it's definitely that time issue. You know, I don't know why we all thought we were going to sort of snap our fingers and like be off to the races, but I think it's going to take time for the consumers to educate the market a little bit and for the makers of these devices to find that sweet spot. Um, but I don't think we're there yet. And I think that's a little bit of, a, of an issue with the uptake as well. I think that's such an important point is there's a the OTC devices currently occupy an interesting in-between space in the market. And in you know, in the tech world, there's the the term product market fit. And I, I would completely agree with you, Sherry, that I don't think we've achieved that. There's not a moment where it's like, ah, every consumer is having this aha moment. That's the product that is winning here. And I think there's a real chance that that does happen. And so I think that's a challenge to the innovators in this space to recognize that 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 could easily happen at some moment. We're not there yet. It's still very, uh, there are lots of products on the market. Nobody's decided which ones are the real winners. Likely we will see some winners emerge. And I think that's probably what we'll see in the next four or five years. 
when Sherry and I were writing our book, uh, we uh, this was before OTC came out, but Sherry often talks about how uh, an OTC product could be a good backup um, set of devices that would work in certain situations or just to have a backup because we all live in fear of losing our devices. Uh, and it usually happens on a Friday when nobody's available to help us. So, um, yeah. Oh, 100%. And, and, you know, just for the audience, just a couple of things. The uh, the estimates range as uh, low that I've seen anyway. Uh, where they were expecting about 800,000 units to be sold within the first six months. And I've seen numbers as high as three and four million. I don't know who's calculating these numbers. I don't have that information, um, but it's uh, it's not been that high. Uh, and then the, the other point, uh, Sherry, which I think is really interesting, I actually was uh, picking up a prescription uh, the other day at Walgreens, and uh, there was an elderly gentleman that was actually looking at uh, the, uh, the the Alexi device on the sh on the shelf there, and he looked at it and he looked at all the other prices because the the hearing aids are actually shelved with the um, um, the monitors for uh, blood pressure, uh, for diabetes, thermometers, and all these other things. And all of these things range from, I'm doing this from memory, about $30, maybe to $100. And then, as you pointed out, it may be too expensive. Well, you've got a $900 unit sitting there. And he looked at it and said, why is this really expensive unit sitting here when all of these other price points are here? So he was price anchored to a lower number. And when he switched over to look, he was astonished to see that it was that expensive. So I think, as you guys have pointed out, we haven't found that sweet spot, not only with the product, not only with the features, but in how to showcase this information. And then if we talk about literacy, how do we communicate the benefits of these technologies, which we don't know yet because they're so new to the marketplace? Absolutely. And I think that it's it's also about use case. You know, I think sometimes these over-the-counter hearing aids will be used differently than prescription hearing aids. Right. If you have a mild hearing loss, it really might be a situational thing. And we sort of need to accept that and meet those consumers where they are. Maybe they're not going to be wearing these devices 24-7, you know, like we all do. They're going to need them when they go to the restaurant or they go to a lecture or they go to the movies or whatever use case it is that they need them for. And we need to make sure that products are priced appropriately for that type of situation too. It's hard to imagine spending thousands of dollars for something that you're going to use just occasionally versus something that you're going to be using all day long. So again, sort of finding that sweet spot for the different use cases of the over-the-counter devices. Again, it, uh, it boils down to how they see the value of this in their lives and to understand the hearing loss, understand how devices work, the communication and the value to them. And I think there's just a lot more information that the pharmacist isn't going to provide. Uh, not doesn't have the the I'm, I'm assuming doesn't uh, is not completely literate on that. Where this is where the role I think of the hearing healthcare professional still is absolutely crucial. And if they can incorporate, start to incorporate uh, the, the other devices and become a communication specialist, which is what we as people with hearing loss want. How can my life be better? What do I need? What should I expect? 
So there's just a long way to go in understanding what these uh, devices are. Yeah, and I was just going to add real quickly, as, as Sherry and, and you've pointed out as well, Gail, on, on value, you're, I think you'll see a tiered system just like we have with the prescriptive devices. These devices are situational. This is the value that they bring. This is the price point for them. These other devices are, you know, you're going to use them for uh, maybe more speech and noise um, in, in adverse situations. They cost a little bit more because the technology costs a little bit more. And again, they're situational, but they're a little bit different, and they're meeting that value of your inabilities to communicate in noise. So I think we'll start to see those kinds of things, and we can look back on this uh, this panel in a few years and uh, see uh, how right or wrong we were. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, so now that we've talked about the consumer side, let's talk a little bit about providers, because I know there's some anxiety, there's some hesitation, and then there's another group that's, you know, all on board with this technology. What are your initial thoughts on how the provider should embrace and accept this technology? I mean, it's here, it's not going to go away. You can't, uh, you can't go to the government now and say, we want to veto this because it's not going to happen. So what are some early impressions that you may have heard or that you have and then we'll dive into, you know, what we know about the technology. I know Soundly has some data. And then we can start to think about and talk about, um, you know, the, the implications for the provider as they start to embrace and utilize and, and um, dispense these in their practices. I think my, my early take would be, uh, I, I echo what Gail just said, which is that the role of the provider uh, likely shifts from sort of being a tech expert on what's available and or programming that that device um, to a human focused um, coach, advocate, partner, you know, get moving into this space um, that is much broader about communication. I think that's what you just said, Gail, and I love that. I think to bet against, uh, you know, I, I've heard, I was just at the um, AAA uh, conference and, you know, heard this broad sentiment that OTC technology is not quite there. It's not quite as premium as prescriptive technology. And that's true. And, and as I mentioned, I still wear prescriptive devices. I think that's um, absolutely going to be true probably for the next couple of years. But to bet against technology becoming advanced enough for folks to be able to get really good results um, uh, through the advances of things like AI and, and other technology, uh, I think is probably the wrong bet. I think technology will get there. It probably will get there within the next few years. Um, and consumers want, they, they want the ability to make changes themselves. They want the ability to impact and affect the sound quality of their, their devices. I know I do. And I know, Gail, I've heard you say similar things. And I, I think this is true of my mom. People want the control. So then what's the role of the specialist? I think the specialist or the, the audiologist or the professional is really the person that's helping coach you through your whole life situation and all of the issues that you might be having related to communication. I think it's exactly what you just said, Gail. And that to me, that's incredibly exciting because when, when I've visited the audiologist, we only talk about the device. We don't talk about anything else. We don't talk about, you know, the fact that I'm a parent or I'm married, or I also have, you know, different communication challenges. We're really focused on programming and device. And um, I think there's an op opportunity to, to evolve past that. I was just going to say 100% agree with that. And I really think it's an opportunity for the professionals to highlight 
really where they add the most value, right? I mean, it's great when they can program the devices and, and all of that, but what's really the magic is when they can help you in all aspects of your life. Being a parent, being a child, being a worker, being, you know, all these things that we do in our lives. And so I'm hoping that OTC will help them focus on that because the devices are going to be the, the least important part of it, right? There's going to be great technologies you can buy from them or other great technologies you can buy elsewhere. And really where they can thrive and show their value is in all these other things. So I hope that they embrace that. You know, change is hard, right, for everybody. Um, so it may take some time. But I think the best practitioners are going to welcome these people into their practices and begin to offer devices that are, you know, OTC devices as well, and just expand their practice and expand their purpose. And I think that's uh, something to be very optimistic about. I think that um, what this is really going to entail is, is the need to for a big shift in the education um, of uh, audiologist and hearing instrument specialist to at at the um, at the level where they when they're learning in the universities and uh, uh, because it it they need to see that role differently um, and if we can, can be adopted in the audiology curricula um, around the country this will make it easier going forward it's a very different world out there than for audiologists coming through ten to fifteen years ago so um, as you said. Like change is is challenging, or Sherry said that, and uh, but it is the real world, and our we as consumers are much better now at articulating what we need. Yeah, I'll, I'll just one other thing I'll add is that um, you know based on the the data we see on, at Soundly and just other you know uh, trends that I that I'm seeing in the industry. Folks don't want to do this fully by themselves. When you use something like self-fit or self-directed or DIY, those are not popular terms. And so I think the notion that folks are just going to walk away, never want to talk to someone again, I don't see that happening, maybe ever. Even as a technology advances, I think it's just shifting this role from we talk about the device to we talk about your life. And, and I think that's the big, the big move. Yeah, 100%. I think one of the other things, and you all touched on this, is the change, you know, audiology is very transactional. It's very like, it's very much like medicine. You see somebody and then you don't see them until they have to come back in. And I think the OTC market is going to uh, force audiologists, at least in hearing care uh, or, or throughout hearing care, to ensure that they continue to see that individual throughout their lifespan as they're on this journey to hearing better. And they may start out in in a in a in an OTC, and then gradually move maybe to an economy line uh, device because that's what they can afford, and eventually move up the chain until they get to that Cadillac or that that product that is really suited for them. But it's going to take them time. And so you you know we usually fit a hearing aid. I think once or twice. I think is the average. I think it's twice on an individual. Uh, by the time uh, you know they've uh, they've stopped, unfortunately they've dece they're deceased. If we can move that that age group down and fit them five six times over that span, we're doing them a justice, and uh, they're having the opportunities to scale given where they are financially, where they are uh, with uh, with the use of technology and so forth and so on. All right, so 
Blake, it's soundly, I know you all have been quantifying and qualifying some of this technology. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So we're one of the things that we really focus on as this market is evolving, we know consumers are taking a more active role in both care for themselves and then also the research. Even if they're going to go see a care a professional or an audiologist, they want to know. They want to know what are the good brands, what brands am I kind of interested in? Should I go OTC or should I not? And so in order to answer that question for folks or help them answer that question, we've been hard at work and you know, publishing a lot of side-by-side research. So helping quantify features and um, the kind of capabilities of, of each of the devices across OTC and prescription. And then recently, we actually went through a process of recording live sound through 20 plus devices. So um, we worked with uh, Rob and the Ahead Simulations team, uh, fellow Canadians for you, Gail. Um, who offered us the, so they have the technology that allows us to record inside of a realistic ear canal. Um, Dr. Amy on the Soundly team was a part of programming all of these hearing aids to the same hearing loss. And then we recorded the output. And so you can now play with those sounds on, on soundly.com. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing we find there, if you listen to the devices, you can totally, you can absolutely hear a difference. Um, I think the biggest thing we've found is that folks feel more confident um, once they've had a chance to, to listen to a few devices, it's not necessarily that there's a sort of lightning rod. Oh, I absolutely know I'm a wide X person after listening to that, to that sound file. Cause that usually comes from a more immersive experience, but what they're feeling is they're feeling more confident that they've been able to at least test drive a few of these and now have a reference point. Um, and, you know, I think in a lot of cases, we're seeing folks choose at this point, we're seeing folks choose uh, prescription products after going through that that um, process. And I think that does speak to where we are in the maturity of the OTC market. Uh, most folks who go through those steps are, in fact, opting for some sort of a prescription um, support. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. I uh, urge everybody to get on that uh, on that website. Is that website free or is there a fee for it? Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, no, it's like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's free. Um, yeah, if you go to just soundly.com and if you go to the, uh, there's a compare section of the site, you can add multiple hearing aids to a compare section. You can listen to them all side by side. We have streaming samples, background noise samples, and a quiet with TV um, sample. Go to indiv- any individual product, you can also select um, in that location. And I'll warn everyone, please wear headphones. We recorded it with a binaural microphone, which sounds terrible coming out of your computers. We we also have that, that uh, alert on the site. But uh, if you listen to binaural uh, sounds coming through a computer speaker, it just doesn't work. But if you listen through headphones, realistic and, and helpful compared. Well, that's, that's good information. This is fascinating because um, I've always operated under the view that um, it takes a good month to properly assess how things sound and um, to be able to do the process you just described makes me feel very anxious uh, Hmm. in my stomach that um, so I I, I can't wait to go and check that out. My issue is that I I stream through my devices from my computer. So how would I objectively assess a product through already hearing aids? But um, something we can talk about later please. yeah it, no it's a, it's a fair it's a fair point so folks who use their uh devices exclusively and don't use headphones this is going to be a tougher feature for them i think mostly it's built for folks who are more comfortable with headphones or 
are even in the pre-hearing aid phase of their life. Um, I think probably mostly folks who have never heard a hearing aid before are kind of like, what does this sound like? I, I don't even really understand what the difference would be. And we, we have a hearing loss file. So, that, you know, it's the, the hearing loss and then you can compare it to the hearing aid file and you understand, oh, here's here's the clarity I'm going to achieve. And then, of course, across the different devices. And I think to your point, Gail, the ability to truly assess the quality of a pair of hearing aids Really, you can't do it in just a moment. It, it takes, it's about, it's about programming. It's about a whole bunch of different things. But when you've never had any exposure to all of the other ones, so maybe you've just tried one or you've just tried two, there's always this feeling, and this is at least something I've had, where you're like, what about the other ones? I've heard their marketing and, you know, it's a, you know, incredibly fast processing or they do better in background noise or, you know, you hear these, these marketing slogans. It's like, well, maybe that would be a big difference for me. And so going through and kind of listening, you at least get a sense for, okay, this is likely very similar to be honest, but, but it's also, there are some nuances and you can start to gather those nuances. I think it sounds like a fascinating thing to do. I'm going to definitely check that out. Um, One thing that I wonder about though, is sort of the form factor as well, right? So there's the sound quality and then there's, what does it look like? And so for us who, you know, we rely on these to hear, maybe we are not as worried about what it looks like. But I think if you think about that mild to moderate customer who's just starting the hearing loss journey, um, there's a lot of stigma surrounding that. And so, yes, the sound quality is important, but what these things look like and how they're going to fit into their lifestyle is also very important. And I think that's one area where we haven't seen, we've seen some innovation in terms of the over-the-counter devices there, but not as much as I w- would hope. And I don't know, Blake, is that something that you highlight on the site as well? Sort of what do the different devices look like and how can yeah. people test that out? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got photos and videos of everything and usually try to do it on, on a model or in ear so you can kind of get a sense for it. Um, I think you're exactly right that when people start their journey and I was in a similar place, you're looking for something invisible. You want something, you know, I was looking like what's modern. Like, I just don't want it to feel kind of old school. Um, I want it to be interesting and new and like the best that's available. Um, what's interesting is we'll see a lot of folks start with an invisible search. So they, they're interested in invisible products. And then you see them, you can watch the, watch the, the, uh, evolution of their, of their, uh, session on the site. You see them slowly evolve towards a Rick as they probably realize like, okay, I want streaming. I actually do want rechargeable batteries. Um, and then I think that becomes the challenge to the, the um, design is like, you know, I love the new, uh, I think Genesis just released a really interesting new design. And, you know, the the manufacturers are always pushing that in terms of size and the sleekness. And, um, but at least for now, that's the journey we, t- we often see is someone starts with an invisible interest, and then they slowly evolve their way into what, what I wear and what many people wear, which is that receiver and canal. Um, and, and obviously for many people, that is the most discreet because my ear is almost entirely open. I don't have domes. So it's, you know, it's fairly discreet. All right. So last question, and that is, we've had a wonderful conversation here, and I thank you all for your input. Now, long-term, what are the messages to the provider and the consumers as we are on this journey? So Sherry, I'll start with you. Yeah. I would say for the providers, uh, again, just I encourage you to meet the consumers where they are. 
and to focus on lifestyle and communication strategies in addition to technology. And I think that OTC is going to naturally um, evolve in that direction. And then for consumers, I would say your hearing is important, right? It's associated with so much of your health, so much of your happiness and your well-being. So please take your hearing seriously. Please treat any type of hearing loss that you are noticing. And I hope that these OTC devices will give people more opportunities to sort of start that journey earlier and to start taking care of their hearing loss sooner so that they continue to just um, stay healthy and stay involved with the people and the activities that they love. Oh, wonderful. Gail? Oh my gosh, Sherry, you just got me right here on that. That was the, that, and that is so true. I, I, I don't have that much to add because this is a shared philosophy that Sherry and I've spent the last couple of years but it, I think, again, to providers, we need the big picture. All we know is that we struggle in certain situations. We need more, uh, a, a better vision of what to expect and what not to expect and how things can be different. Uh, because this is something we don't instinctively know. This is such a role for the provider to help us get that big picture and to make uh, informed, collaborative decisions. And to the consumer is, is, is be open and be think really how important is communication to you? You don't communication is the glue that connects us to each other and to the world. And when it's fractured in even a little bit, it 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 has major impact. So um soak up what you can because the payoff will be long and 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 good. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I... I love the the points that have been made already. I think, you know, we've talked about it a lot on the provider side. It's it's this shift from a device focused conversation to what's going on in your life, counseling in a lot of ways, um, and, and kind of that type of relationship. I think to consumers, my encouragement would be um, just start. It's actually really hard to make a mistake in this space, and it's that that's contrary to the message that a lot of people feel. If you're sitting in a pre-hearing aid space in your life, if you haven't gotten a device, um, my encouragement would be if you have a pair of AirPods Pro, we have a great resource on our blog for how to turn them into transparency mode, and you will have your first pair of hearing aids, and you're in. And now you can start to improve from there. If you see a device that you think is of interest, give it a try. Obviously, make sure it's safe. Don't don't buy something that is going to hurt you or isn't isn't credible in some way. But it's a lot harder to make a mistake in this space than people kind of crack it up to be, in my opinion. Most products have return policies. If you don't like the product, send it back, get another one. It's uh, it's easy to stay on the sidelines forever if you feel like you have to get it exactly right the first time. Chances are you won't. Um, and so that that's always my message to consumers is just try something. And, and you know, I know in my experience, the first time I got amplification, I was like, oh, I guess I... <laughs> Now I, I, I'm going to need to do this more often because this is different. Um, but we, before you you get amplification, you don't know what that feeling is and, and what you might be missing. Well, folks, there we have it. Uh, great advice from uh, three experts in this uh, in this area. And I want to thank all three of you for uh, your time and your expertise. And uh, hopefully we can do this in a year or so and uh, look back on this and see how right we were and uh, how far we've traveled. So thank you again.